What is that? That's your animal nature. That's self-centeredness. That's I want what I want because I want it now. And I don't care about how it impacts other people. That's evil. And what is it? It's ignorance and fear. Oh my God, could it be that simple? Is all evil nothing but ignorance and fear and stress? Yeah, that's all it is. And what's the antidote? Well, love. Why is love the antidote to evil? Because evil is ignorance and love is understanding. It's awareness. It's consciousness. So how does love drive out evil? <laughs> the same way understanding eliminates ignorance. The same way light eliminates the darkness by virtue of what it is. Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Wisdom of the Soul, brought to you by the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. We're here every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. if you'd like to join us live, and if you're unable to do that, and by the way, that's California West Coast time. And if you're unable to do that, this uh, class in its entirety is posted as a video on YouTube and also the audio version available as a podcast, although we edit out the uh, meditation and the Q&A from the audio podcast. In any event, you'll find both the YouTube channel and the audio podcast by searching Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, just those four words. To find uh, more information about me and my private sessions at uh, my main website, michaelbenner.com. The intake session is free and you're under no obligation to go any further. But if you need some help with anxiety disorder, uh, career counseling, couples counseling, or you're just confused and stressed out, um, take advantage of the free intake session. We'll do it by phone or Zoom if you prefer. Usually just a phone call. And uh, again, no charge, no obligation. Happy to do that for you. For some people, that's all they need. <laughs> and uh, uh, for others, uh, it can be the beginning of a really great one-on-one -on -one relationship. I find my private counseling and my one-on-one -on -one training very, very rewarding. We also have a couple of openings in the Saturday Salon. We're limited to 10 in that group. And uh, if you'd like to find out more about that, just, again, go to michaelbenner.com and click on Personal Development, Training and Classes. And you'll see a little blurb in there about the Saturday Salon. And uh, just shoot me an email. The address is in there. 
awmysteryschool at gmail.com if you're interested in uh, applying for the Saturday Salon Small Private Discussion Group for Transformation. Today we're going to go to some pretty basic information, but I think you'll find it edifying and helpful. Maybe we'll connect some dots for you here as we talk about the nature of stress. The title, actually, was expressed in the newsletter this week, is Stress, Distress, and Dis-Ease. And uh, if you look at the word disease in a new way, it suggests that good health comes from being at ease. And in addition to distress, could there be some kind of stress that is not distressful? Yes, in fact, it's called eustress. So for most of you, here's a new word and a new concept spelled E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress, which is good stress. It's positive stress. And we'll talk about the relationship between those two, where stress comes from. I'll tell you up front before the meditation a little about it. Uh, there is physiological stress and there is psychological stress. And <laughs> guess which one is greater? And what is it really? Physiological stress is just the result of doing physical work, physical labor, tiring muscles, exhausting the body, challenging it. But the psychological stress is really what we'll emphasize this morning, which is dealing with uncertainty. Stress is really a function of confusion and unawareness. I hesitate to say ignorance because it's such an insulting word, but ignorance is a good word for stress. And there are many others. I think fear which uh, I harp on all the time, to the dismay of many. I, <laughs> I continually get email from people that say, stop talking about fear so much. Well, I can't, because it's at the root of all heartache. Before we uh, began class this morning, some of us here were uh, talking about the tragic uh, uprising of war in the Middle East. What is that all about? What is war about? What is domestic violence and argumentation? What is that all about? The failure to understand, to manage and control our emotional nature. And supporting all negative emotions, all hurtful emotions, is stress. Whether you call it fear or anxiety, whether it's panic and horror on the big end or just a little bit of nervousness or mild apprehension on the low end. Well, I'm, I'm not really that stressed out, but I do have my concern. It's all the same thing. It's all stress. It's all fear. It's all anxiety, whatever its name. And it manifests in outbursts of anger and expressions of hatred and contempt sometimes disgust and, and uh, apathy even. Uh, apathy is a negative feeling. It, it often feels numb, like ambivalence, but being numb hurts. And so 
stress is a major component, really a supportive component at the root of everything that hurts, everything that disturbs us, everything that irritates us, all of our unhappiness. What's more stressful than being unhappy? And so that's distress. What is eustress? Let me touch on that. Eustress is the kind of stress, again, whether physical, physiological, or uh, psychological, emotional, basically. I suppose we could talk about mental stress, but it goes hand in hand with the emotional qualities. Um, by the way, there is a program we did over a year ago, and maybe I will repeat soon, on the relationship between thoughts and feelings. It's an issue that's rarely discussed, the way thoughts bring up emotional feelings and vice versa. And even today in psychology, there's an argument about which is primary. Uh, I think the feelings are primary, but it's obvious that not only do feelings bring up thoughts, but the reverse is true. Thoughts stimulate feelings. And you've got a ping pong game going on here, back and forth between the two. So when we talk about stress as distress, as emotional or psychological stress, dealing with uncertainty and confusion, and whatever it is that we don't know and understand, what is eustress? Eustress is generally that modicum of anxiety that prepares us to perform even better. It's the difference between oh boy and oh no. You know, the excitement of oh boy, I, I can hardly wait. That's eustress, see? That's psyching up, that enthusiasm, that excitement. That's eustress. And it's a good thing to a point. So picture a bell-shaped curve, like the curve you were graded on in school, you know? Very few A's, a few more B's, mostly C's, about as many D's as B's, and about as many F's as A's. That bell-shaped curve. Well, eustress would be the upside. So as stress increases on the eustress side, the good stress side, your performance gets better and better and better and better. Stress on the horizontal axis, performance on the vertical axis. More stress, you get better and better and better until you hit that peak. And then if the stress continues to the right on the horizontal axis of the graph, the curve rolls off and you begin to do worse. Your performance degrades. Not only your performance, we could apply the same kind of curve to your physical health. We can apply that same curve to mental clarity and to emotional um, equanimity. How about if I say it that way? So a little bit, oh boy, I'm psyching up. I can hardly wait. I'm looking forward to it. That's you stress. That's the upside of the curve. And then going too far, <laughs> continuing at some point to add more and more stress, then your performance is degraded, your health is degraded, and your mental and emotional nature is debilitated as well. I think it's an interesting concept that is often overlooked. Not all stress is distressful. 
It's also my intention to point out that this is a central component of the need for meditation. Didn't say that as well as I wanted, but stress is why we meditate, to eliminate it. Because while most people, I think, when they hear about stress, they're thinking about physical performance and physical health, stress-related dis-ease. And I think most people have a sense that stress also debilitates us mentally and emotionally, but I don't think that's emphasized as much. And yet we see it everywhere, even memory. The harder you try to remember something, the worse you do. Uh, concentration is a relaxation skill, the ability to focus your attention. And yet even teachers who should know better will say to the student who's maybe ADD or having a problem with attention and, and concentration, well, try harder. You just need to try harder. And that's the worst <laughs> that's the worst advice you can give someone to uh, help them improve their concentration. Uh, if you're having uh, attention deficit or problems with focus or concentration, you want to breathe and relax and help the brain to feel safe. And then it won't jump around looking for danger. You see, that's what that's all about. Where's the danger in this uncertainty? Oh, I don't know this. I don't understand that. Uh, I'm, I'm confused about this over here. And so the fight or flight center, the amygdala in the brain goes, well, there may be some danger hidden in those unknowns, in that confusion, in that ignorance. Don't know for sure. The point is, I don't know. And so I'm going to engage that fight or flight in, in the trade out or preparing for danger, the tight muscles, the adrenaline, the cortisol, the uh, <laughs> the dilated pupils, the sweaty palms, the high brain waves, the, did I say tight muscles, high blood pressure, high pulse, rapid respiration, shallow, rapid breathing. That, that helps you deal with physical danger to prepare for the likelihood of the danger that may be hidden in what's unknown. But the trade-out is we get stupid. Stress makes us stupid. Fear makes us stupid. What are you afraid of? I don't know. Well, that's the point. You've heard me say that many times, and I'll continue to say it again. Stress, anxiety, fear, whatever, whatever term we use for it, it's... Uh, not directly about danger. It's what you don't know. And even if there is clear and present danger, it's what you don't know about the danger that you're staring at. And we know that's true because the more you understand the danger, the less stressed you become, the less fearful, the less anxious, the less nervous. Even though the danger itself remains constant, understanding it helps you avoid the fear. And then you get your wits back. See, then you get smarter and more creative. And so what is meditation but stress management? Often called stress reduction, and I, I, I don't want to pick nits here, but stress reduction to a point, you see. 
reason I prefer stress management is we want to enjoy the benefits of the eustress, of the boy howdy, the, you know, the, the positive side of, uh, oh boy, of I'm really excited, I'm, I can't wait. You know, the difference between stage fright and stage fever. And often they come hand in hand if you're, if you've ever performed, you know, public speaking or singing or dancing or playing a musical instrument or some recitation of some sort, taking a test, you know, the feeling of uh, stage fright before you get on stage. And then usually when the curtain goes up and the bright lights hit you and you start your little song and dance or your speech or whatever, and you feel that you're doing a really good job, then they can't, that stage fever, they, uh, they can't get you off stage. You just absolutely love it and uh, get hooked on it. It can be very addictive. So that's a little intro to distress and eustress and the nature of dis-ease and the idea that good health comes from being safe and relaxed and also clarity, mental clarity and emotional equanimity are all benefits of meditation, the primary form of stress reduction. There are others, which we'll talk about in a minute, besides meditation. What are other ways that we can reduce to a point, maybe better said, manage our stress, find that balance point, the, the peak of that curve. But uh, let's do our opening meditation, and then we'll talk about stress management and all the benefits of that. So if you close your eyes, become aware of the the furniture. As you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake, back in the room. Eyes open now, wide awake, feeling fine. <laughs> Rested and refreshed and back in the room with a full memory and a profound understanding of what it means to have no stress, no fear, no anxiety. Uncertainty can be a, a wonderful thing. Uncertainty can be a lot of fun. I mean, there's adventure in uncertainty. There's excitement and enthusiasm and, you know, oh boy, that's the way we need to face uncertainty. Instead of this fear of loss or it all comes out of this illusion of separation. It's understandable. We're in separate bodies in a world where everything is separated and nothing is permanent. <laughs> Everything's in decay and, you know, breaking and decaying and rotting and corroding. And God, it's frustrating. I understand that. But we can with a good meditation practice. That's why you got to do it every day, ideally early in the day, and then it carries over. And uh, give yourself some kudos, a, a little self-congratulatory pat on the back for even coming to a class like this. Do you know how rare it is? You know how few people are interested in this? I, I, think, you, I think you probably do. 
I've been resigned to it for a long, long time. This is not like when I wrote my book, Fearless Intelligence. I never even thought about, oh, I hope I sell a lot of copies, make a little bit of money. I, I, it's not, this is, people don't want to know who they are. They're terrified to know who they are. They'd rather judge other people and control other people. But if instead you devote yourself to understanding yourself, you don't need to do all of that. You don't need to judge other people. You don't need to control other people. They don't have the power to intimidate you or, or abuse you. You just look at them with your head cocked a little bit and go, wow, I wonder, I wonder what their issue is. But you're bulletproof. It's just, oh, you'll take an initial hit. I sometimes think if somebody walked up to Jesus and said something nasty about his mother, he'd probably get upset for a second or two and this nostrils would flare and maybe his hands would tighten in the fists for just a minute and then he'd say to himself wait a minute i'm jesus <laughs> i can't fight back after he overturned the uh, tables of the money lenders in the temple i wonder if he thought later in the day gosh i could have handled that a little better i hope they don't put that story in the bible we all have an emotional nature, and it's about survival. And a lot of the impulses come from our animal nature. You know, we are spiritual beings in animal bodies. So if you feel animal impulses, and you do, and you will, and I do, and let's identify them for what they are. It's understandable. This is temptation. This is what religion tells you makes you a sinner. This is... This is what evil is, you know, that little guy in the red outfit with the pitchfork that rules over hell and, and tempts you. This is the story of Jesus being tempted, and, and Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. What is that? That's your animal nature. That's self-centeredness. That's I want what I want because I want it now. And I don't care about how it impacts other people. That's evil. And what is it? It's ignorance and fear. Oh my God, could it be that simple? Is all evil nothing but ignorance and fear and stress? Yeah, that's all it is. And what's the antidote? Well, love. Why is love the antidote to evil? Because evil is ignorance and love is understanding. It's awareness. It's consciousness. So how does love drive out evil? <laughs> the same way understanding eliminates ignorance. The same way light eliminates the darkness. By virtue of what it is. Darkness is not a force. It's the absence of light. So there's no struggle. The the light vanquishes the darkness by virtue of what it is. So it is with goodness and understanding. Not a struggle. A tug of war as is often represented. Good versus evil. Any war is evil versus evil. 
And there are good intentions, perhaps, on both sides, but to resort to the violence, to resort to the war. I feel that same way about politics. Maybe you do, too, or I'll bet you can, even if you haven't thought it through, understand me if I say that I don't care what your political views are. You know, I'm a big advocate for free speech and free thinking and all the way out to the extremes. But where you cross the line is where you become violent. And, he, and, and that's the red line. That's where the evil begins, so to speak. That's where the ignorance begins. The idea that war would solve something. Well, Michael, didn't World War II eliminate Hitler? Yeah. And Mussolini? Yeah. And the uh, Japanese conquest of the world? Yeah. But the mentality behind it is extant. We still have fascism. We still have the Klan. We still have white nationals. We still have white people who think they're superior to others. War didn't eliminate that. So the root cause is still there. I remember in the Vietnam War, not to go too far afield here, but I thought it was a major uh, significant point when the Pentagon in America started talking about winning the hearts and minds of the Vietnamese people. It was like this revelation that just killing people is not going to convince them that we're the good guys. Right? You just, yeah. You bomb our villages, you kill our women and children. Okay, we get it. You're the good guys. That, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, winning the hearts and minds, maybe you should stop bombing people, napalming their children. Might have a better chance of winning their hearts and minds. War doesn't win the hearts and minds of people. Yeah, violence, that's the beginning of evil. That's where it crosses over. Otherwise, it's just ignorance and confusion. And so, love is understanding. Now you know what love means. Eastern religions talk about consciousness and awareness. Western religions, the Abrahamic monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, they never talk about consciousness. They don't use that word or awareness. They use the word love. That's what love means in Western religion. Consciousness, awareness. Aware of what? That there's really only one of us here. That we're all emanations of a single source. Perhaps the word God, Allah, Krishna, Brahma, the Absolute, whatever, prime mover is <laughs> just a religious word for capital A, awareness, or capital C, consciousness, or capital L, love. When you understand that love in a religious or philosophical sense is consciousness, which means awareness, which is knowing or understanding, all kinds of things are going to come together for you. Let's talk about uh, 
stress in a more practical, down-to-earth way. I've already said that it's my uh, belief that meditation is, or contemplation, some closed-eye, deep relaxation process, is the best way to create equanimity, level-headed, even-tempered, calm, quiet, safe, relaxed, tranquil <laughs> level of being where mentally, emotionally, and physically we are at our best. But there are many other things that we can do. Lifestyle things, like uh, get enough sleep. Be consistent in your sleep patterns and allow yourself sufficient sleep. Don't multitask. I know there is an illusion that you can get more done, that you're more productive if you multitask. It's only that, an illusion. It's not true. And there are countless studies that you could, you don't have to take my word for it. You can Google it, duck, duck, go it, <laughs> search it, and you can find these studies for yourself. Multitasking creates stress and anxiety and destroys performance, totally degrades and debilitates your performance. So slow down, do things in bite-sized pieces. Do one thing at a time. Do it well. And even if it seems like you've slowed down and are less productive, consider all the time that you will save as a result of the mistakes that will not be made and the oversights that will not happen as a result of you dividing your attention you become so much more efficient in the quality of your work. Whatever it is, you know, could be your employment, could be the way you parent, it could be uh, any one of your hobbies or activities. Slow down, do things one at a time in bite-sized pieces. Breathe. It's another great stress reducer. Just breathe consciously, deliberately. Slow, deep breaths. A sigh of relief every once in a while. No, just, uh, Calgon, take me away. You don't have five minutes or ten minutes to meditate. You know, a great meditation teacher once said, if you have time to breathe, you have time to meditate. Just a couple slow, deep breaths really help a lot. Eating properly, good wholesome food. Now that that means a little more time in the kitchen. It means a little more time at the grocery store. It means less restaurant food, and certainly less fast food. I have few regrets in my life. Fortunately, we all have some, but one of my big regrets is in the middle of my life, like I'll say 30 to 50 in those years, I was so stressed and so busy, always running here and there, trying to jam in so much stuff into my life that I relied on fast food a lot. 
and it just uh, had a devastating impact on my health and consequently my well-being. And uh, next lifetime, no fat, <laughs> uh, much less fast food. Fast food is yummy. Poison is yummy. No question about it. Lots of fat, lots of grease, you know, very flavorful, very yummy. No question that poison is delicious. But uh, all things in moderation, all right? Good food, good sleep. Play with children. Get down on the floor. Play with kids. If you don't have kids, play with other people's kids. If you don't have access to kids, watch them play. Especially little kids, young kids. I think pets also. The very fact that we call the animals that we domesticate pets means that we like to touch them, we like to pet them, we like to stroke them. And the animals appear to like that too. We all benefit from the touch. And when we talk about stress and distress, there is such a thing as touch deprivation. We need to touch each other, again, to help break this delusion of separation. Just touching someone on the shoulder or the elbow even has such a calming, unifying, harmonizing aspect to it. Imagine if a doctor reached out, you're sick, you're ill, you're concerned, you don't know how serious it is or what's going to happen next. Imagine if a doctor just touched you on the shoulder or the elbow in a very non-intrusive way and said, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. You'll be fine. Or we got this. We're going to take care of you. How about that? Just touched her on the shoulder, made eye contact and said, we're going to take care of you. Don't worry. Wow. Isn't that a whole lot better than standing on the other side of the room? I had pneumonia once I was in the hospital. The doctor that I was seeing would not, it wasn't my doctor, it was a hospitaler. He wouldn't even come into the damn room. He would stand in the doorway and talk at me from across the room. Just a little touch. Do this with the kids. Do this with the animals. We, we pet them. The animal likes it. We like it. It has a very calming effect. All right? Surround yourself with nature, bringing flowers and green plants into the house has a calming effect on you. You're connecting, you're touching them, you're watering them, you're caring for them. That benefits not only the plant, <laughs> it benefits you, right? You have a plant nature. I already spoke about the animal nature. We're also, we also have a plant nature. 50% of our DNA is found in mushrooms. We're <laughs> very closely related to plants. And of course, a walk in the woods. You say, well, I don't have any woods near, but oh, a walk in the desert. Uh, a walk in the city park. Or uh, plant a tree in your yard. You got room for one more tree in your yard? Could you do that? Or again, if you're in an apartment or a condo, Bring the stuff indoors. 
bring some plants, bring some flowers in. Let's see, what have I left out? Uh, music is a stress reducer. I would say all kinds of music, but then hasten to add some kinds of music more than others. Um, Baroque classical music is magical. Certain concertos and classical forms of classical music are transcendent. They'll just carry you away. There's an exercise that I've done with my private clients over the years where I would play three minutes of classical music and say to my client, I want you to listen to this music for three minutes. That's the only thing I would say is listen to this music. Then I play three minutes of classical music. Often they would close their eyes. I didn't tell them they should or could, but often they would. So they're clearly listening to the music. And then after three minutes, I would say, so what were you thinking about during that music? Every single client I ever had that I ever did this with would then tell me what they were thinking during the music. At which time I would say, because it was sort of my trap, <laughs> I didn't tell you to think. I told you to listen to the music. So I'm going to play three more minutes, and this time, don't think. Just listen to the music. Now, the tricky thing here is if you try not to think, if you make an effort out of not thinking, you're going to think about how not to think. It's like giving up desire. Then you have the desire to give up the desire and the desire to desire to give up the desire. I mean, it's the dog chasing its tail. How, how do you do that? You turn your attention from thoughts to feelings. And when you listen to the music, you gently focus your awareness on how the music makes you feel. And if the mind shatters in the background, just ignore it. Just keep turning your attention. If it distracts you with thoughts and ideas and <laughs> fears, just keep turning your attention every time, again, repeatedly. It's like you're training an animal, right? Train the brain. Just gently, don't fight it, just turn your attention back to how does this music make me feel, right? And if it's not classical music, just say popular music, uh, this tune on the radio that you really like, or, or this tune, this classic rock tune that you've always liked, Next time you listen to it, ask yourself, what is it about this music that I really like? It's not what it makes you think that causes you to enjoy it. It's something below the shoulders. Maybe, maybe it makes you want to move. Maybe it makes you want to dance. Maybe it fills your heart. Maybe it reminds you of... Uh, a wonderful memory, but allowing yourself to be swept away by music, carried away by music. Music is love. Music is awareness.
Music is a stress reducer. Walking. I talked about walking in the woods. Any kind of walking is a stress reducer. And of course, beyond that, exercise, cardio, strength training, uh, yoga, uh, Pilates, um, movement awareness, aerobics, what have you. Move it. Use it. That'll help to reduce stress and anxiety. And again, beyond the physical benefits of that to your health and your performance are all the mental and emotional benefits of stress management. Right? And just some of the ideas. Pets, plants, wholesome food, sleep, music. Oh, and last but not least, laughter and simple communication with friends. Remember to laugh. Um, life is way too serious. Seek out comedy. Go to comedy clubs. Listen to comedians. Where Instagram, wherever you go. Uh, you know, funny people, isn't it? Laughter heals. Laughter is the best medicine. Wasn't there that that old feature in Reader's Digest? Laughter is the best medicine. And they always had a few, few good stories in every issue. Uh, laughter heals because laughter is love. And it, it makes you feel good. So have a good sense of humor. Laugh at yourself and laugh at life. Because as horrible and uh, as much suffering and discontent and, and gross injustice as there is in the world, there's plenty to laugh about, plenty to sing about, and uh, dancing too. I didn't mention dancing. That goes with the music. All of these things are wonderful ways to reduce distress and manage stress overall. And your meditation. Remember your meditation, your daily meditation. Wow.